Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hillhead. As you know, our Minister Katrina is on leave for another week, and so we are really delighted to welcome the Reverend Ron Rye as our guest this morning. Ron, you are very welcome, and we are looking forward to hearing what you will say to us in the course of our service, both through the words uh, that you say and the words that we sing together. Ron will lead our worship, but also taking part will be Heather, who will lead us in the Lord's Prayer, Grace and Will, who will read scripture for us, and Nancy, who will lead our prayers for others. Our musician this morning is Paul, and in just a moment, Emma will be lighting our candle. This is a communion service, so those of us who are worshipping in the hotel will need to remember to go and collect our bread and wine from the table at the back of the room during the hymn leading up to communion. And those of us worshipping on Zoom will need to remember to have something nearby to eat and drink when we reach that point in the service. Some wonderful family news today. I'm very pleased to tell you that Tamara gave birth to a little boy yesterday morning. His name is Ben Yona. He is 54 centimetres long and 3,715 grams in weight. I haven't worked out how tall he is, but I know that that's just over eight pounds in weight. So he's a healthy weight. And so we send congratulations to Tamara and Hannah and Aaron on the birth of Ben Yona. And then Katrina will be away for another week. So again, during this coming week, if you would have contacted her about anything, please, in the first instance, uh, contact either myself or one of the other managers, and we will do our very best to help. But it's time now for Emma to light our candle as we come to worship. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
Amen and amen. I see this portion of what is said is called a prayer of approach. And I consider the different ways that we approach God today, understanding that however we come, he is here with us. And so let us pray with that in mind. Our God and Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and the Holy Spirit who gives us life three in one and one in three. <coughs> Lord, we come to you representing not just the cooperation of this church, Hillhead Baptist Church, but we come to you with our own individual stories that resonate the realities that we all live and we all experience in our own individual lives. Those lives are connected both with you and with others, for we do not live in isolation from the world of which we are part. But Lord, we live knowing, seeing, being moved, being changed by the daily steps we take, praying that you are with us. And so, Lord, as we pray in this approach, Lord, for those who approach you from distance, we pray that they would meet you. Lord, for those who approach you on their knees, we pray that you would lift them. Lord, for those whom we have even articulated this morning who approach you in joy, we ask that you would celebrate with them. Lord, for those who come to you with burdens aplenty, Lord, we ask you would carry them. Lord, for those that come just simply because it is what they would do on a Sunday, Lord, we ask you would be with them. And in all the different ways that we need you, Lord, to engage with us, fulfill and resonate that in our lives this morning, today, and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.
reading is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 5. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, I've been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. And then reading from Matthew 28, the very last few verses of Matthew's gospel. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. morning and I can bring you very many greetings because I come to you from the kingdom. No, not the kingdom of heaven, not even the kingdom of the Baptist churches. I come to you from the only other place that would classify itself as above everywhere else in Scotland. Yes, I am from Fife. And with that blessing comes also the great privilege that I have to be able to stand here and stand in for Katrina. It's always a strange experience for a minister coming and going to somewhere where someone else has done things. And it's a very strange experience here for me at the moment. Um, one of the things that I am having to negotiate, even right now as I'm speaking, you can probably see me dancing. That's because I'm a little bit of a mover when it comes to public speaking, but I'm trying desperately to stay within your camera screen. So if I go out of the screen just very slightly, then you can wave at me. I have a code, by the way, for those of you who are on Zoom or even those of you who are here. If you are struggling to hear me or if what I am saying is not being spoken very clearly, this is the code. I will be keeping an eye on the screen in order to make sure we are all together. Coming as a minister into a situation which is unknown. One of the things that you learn to do is um, try and assess a place on the basis of the people who you are, know are there. I don't know many of you. In fact, I don't really know any of you, I don't think. I don't think we have met before, and even if we have, it will have probably been on passing. But I know Katrina, at least from some of her things on Facebook, and at least from seeing her at some of the minister days away that we have done together. And one of the things I know of her is that she is loving, she is encouraging, she is looking to take this church on a journey. And added into that was an email that I received 
truth, which told me that actually this part of your journey is a little bit strange. You've had to vacate the building which you called home for so very many years, and you are now trying to assess who you are and who Christ is calling you to be in the midst of what potentially could be a new age for Hellhead Baptist Church. Well, there are all sorts of ways and directions that you can go when you have that sort of a mantle underneath you and you are praying to God, you are praying to Christ about something to share with a church. But today I felt led to bring you to a point where actually we share something of the same experience. And I want to share that experience through a problem that I have which I think is a problem that congregations and individuals in churches have a lot, but we fail to articulate adequately or at least bring to the fore in order that Christ can speak into that. And I wonder if you picked it up while we were looking at the passages, by the way, very expertly read passages, which is a real joy for me to be able to hear people handle scripture so cleanly and so wonderfully. The problem is initially articulated, I think, a little bit by Thomas and Philip. And it's through the emotion of incredulity. They see and they hear what Jesus is giving to them on the basis of the teaching and the works that he has done. They listen to the words. They um, engage with what Jesus is doing. And yet there is still this kind of hesitancy, there is still this border that they cannot seem to leap beyond. Jesus, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. It's almost as if even in the midst of them doing what they are doing with Christ, there is a barrier to their thinking, not to their hearts, but to their thinking that they cannot cross forward beyond, which prevents them from seeing the enormity of what is possible. And as Jesus speaks into that reality, as Jesus answers their query by pointing them to the things that he does, which he can only do because he is connected to God, there is a throwaway line which stops me short. Because very truly I tell you, whomever believes will do what I do and even greater. And connected to that comes this passage which we use also very often, the Great Commission, the sending forth of the disciples into the world, following on from Christ's call, Christ being, Christ doing, Christ dying, Christ resurrecting. But he says, go forth and do like I was. Go forth and be like I was. Go forth and say like I spoke. Go forth and engage like I engaged with. And there is this resonating, repeating, re repeating mantra that goes with the people who are there. Go and do. Go and do. But not just do in your power. Not just do in your own ability. Go and do what I did. I wonder if you know what my problem is. Because here's the thing. I wonder how many of you have the confidence. I wonder if 
how many of you have the ability to be able to thump the heart in your chest and say honestly and fully, I believe I can be like Jesus. Really? Really? You actually think you can do what he did? There's not even that snippet of a doubt. I know how we articulate it sometimes. Well, you know, we are all individual parts of the body and therefore we all have our own giftings. So it's only when we come together, it's only when we do these things united and in unison that actually the full presence of Christ is announced to the world. And so I can be the little finger that does my little thing over here. Or I can be the toe, and I'm not going to lift my toe onto the screen, that would be ludicrous. But Jesus doesn't say the church will do as I do. He says whomever, individual, person, both you walking in your own life and everything that you do together, whomever, and not just will do, but will do greater, more, I want to make something really clear. My problem is not in looking at those wonderfully holy people that you and I know, right? You know them. Those people who just seem to shine heavenly glory. My problem is not seeing them and saying, ah, they are like Christ. My problem doesn't even come from announcing to a congregation the possibility that Christ can use us in our imperfections. My problem doesn't even come from the basis of us being able to gather together and actually say to each other, you, you can be like Christ for this moment. My problem comes because I see me and I see how small I am and I see how broken I am and imperfect I am and I know my life better than anyone else does because I lived it. I know the mistakes I've made. Not just errors in judgment but times where I have really truly hurt people. And I look at all those things and I say, how is this Christ? How can I be? How can Jesus use me? The thing we need to understand about who Christ was and the situation that he spoke into is that he was dealing with a system that would be eminently understandable. The idea of doing and copying as a disciple would come very naturally to the ethos and the thinking of the people who was there. So, I wonder if you will allow me to just give you a short history lesson. This may be something you already know. So if I am going over it, please feel free to fall asleep. 
in the Jewish education system of the time that Jesus was a part of, children, both boys and girls, would have the opportunity to go to school. But the school would be governed by either the temple or the local rabbi or the priest of the time. Children's education then was actually mixed in with religious education. So you would learn to read, write, count on the basis of actually what happened in scripture. And the first basis of that schooling was something that was called Beit Sefer. That was a child who would probably go until they were maybe mm, eight to ten years old. And they would be expected within that portion of their education system, if they wanted to move on to the next level, to memorize by heart the whole of the Torah. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I want you just to pause for a moment and not go, well, children are capable of doing all of these things because my mind is, you know, so much less flexible. I just want you to consider the fact that what these children were having to do was memorize five books by heart. And not just a, we're going to do a verse a day kind of thing. Not just a, here's the memory verse that we're going to have up at the front. No, the exam that came at the end of Beit Sefer was a grilling. You would be tested. What did Moses say here? Why did he teach this? What was going on with the Israelites over there? What happened in the Exodus? What did Pharaoh do? What was their relationship? All of these things would go backwards and forwards. What is this law? What is this Levitical law? What does it tie up to in Deuteronomy? What does it tie up into in Numbers? And around about eight to ten years old, two things would happen. Firstly, the girls would be sent away. Sorry, girls. Ladies. But the boys who were there, if they didn't pass the test, the temple, the teacher would come to them, they would say to them, look, you have honored your family, go home. Go home. Take on your family business. Take on your family trade. Go in peace. But the best would be invited to go into the next stage of schooling. And that was Beit Talmud. And that would last from about the age of 10 to the age of mm, 13, 12 or 13. And in that time, on top of having learned the whole of the five first books of the Bible, they would be expected to learn by heart the rest of the Old Testament. By heart. If you've got a Bible in front of you, just for a moment, do me a favor while I'm talking. Pick up, select out the pages of the Old Testament and just look at that. Look at how thick that is. Even in our kind of little bitty bits of paper that we use to put scripture together so that we can hold it in our hand. This is a lot. This is poetry. This is teaching. This is history. This is prophecy. And the kid would be grilled. They would be grilled. What do you know about this? What did Isaiah say over here? What did Ezekiel do over here? What does heaven look like in the context of both Isaiah and Ezekiel? What did Samuel do when he was brought before the temple priest? What did all of these things? Grilling, grilling, grilling. Do you know this by heart? And if the boy didn't pass... Well, he would be sent home. Look, go home. Go learn your family trade. 
Go learn your family business. You have honored your family. But if they passed the test, if they were the best of the best, then they would be invited to move into the third stage of of the education system, Beit Midrash. And for that, they would have to wait for a rabbi. Now, a rabbi visiting a town or a city was not an uncommon thing. They would often walk in between the towns and the city, going and preaching in the different temples and teaching and learning and experience life. And behind them would be a gaggle of disciples who were walking and discussing, you know, what does this rabbi say about this? And what does this rabbi say about that? And there was a blessing that came from the time. May your cloak be covered by the dust of your rabbi. It's because because of the rabbis walking probably about two or three feet in front of the rest of the disciples, they would kick up the dust And these disciples would come in and they would be absolutely hoaching. That's the word we use in Fife. They would be minging. They would be covered. But they would be covered because they follow. And so the temple that the rabbi goes to, well, here is the best of the best. And they are presented before the rabbi. And the rabbi grills them, but doesn't just grill them on their knowledge of Torah, doesn't just grill them on their knowledge of the Old Testament, but grills them on their ability to think critically about the type of teaching that the rabbi gives. What do you know about this? What do you say about this? What does it mean when this is put in here? All of this stuff. And if the boy didn't pass, what would the rabbi say? He would say, go home. Go home, you have honored your family, but go home, learn your family's trade or business. But if the rabbi thought, this kid, he is the best of the best of the best. This kid's got something. This kid's got something that I I can see. He would invite the student to come and be one of his disciples. And do you know what he would say? He would say something that I think you know the phraseology of from another place in scripture. He would say, come and do what I do or come share my yoke. And so the children, because they were children, right? They would drop everything they had because they knew that the rabbi believed in them. I want you to take this and I want to ask a couple of very important questions. Because sometimes it occurs to me or it occurs to us that the reaction of the disciples when Jesus, the visiting rabbi, calls them to follow him is a bit weird when they drop everything they have. And here's the thing. When Jesus goes and picks up his disciples, his students, what are they doing? They're fishing. They're working out stuff to do with tax collection. 
They're doing the family trade. They're doing the family business. What does that mean? That means they weren't the best of the best of the best. They were sent home. The world as it was able to articulate both potential and success looked at these boys and said, sorry, you don't make the cut. We don't have anything for you. You're not going to cope. And so when Jesus, the miracle working rabbi, walks into town and looks at these boys and says, come follow me, come share my yoke. Of course they dropped it. Of course they left what they were doing. Because somebody was looking at them, them who were considered the not good enoughs, the B team, the substitutes, the wouldn't make it, the how can you do anything with these guys? And by the way, what age were they? 13, 14, 15? Kind of makes sense of the type of arguments that they have. Jesus, who's going to sit on your right-hand side? That's a boy, isn't it? It's a teenage boy asking that question. Jesus, who's the greatest in heaven? But do you know what the overarching truth of this is? The substitute team. The beast squad the folk who were cut from the playing team, the ones who got sent home, they would go and they would change the world. They would go and they would do what Jesus did. Not because of any human assessment of their potential or their ability, because of one truth that overarches everything that we do and I speak it to you now Christ believes in you infinitely more than you will ever be able to believe in him where you look and you see small Christ looks and he sees his faithful where you look and you see displaced, Christ says, I see you exactly where you are meant to be. Where you look at your own lives and you see failure, Christ says, I see someone who is humble enough to be able to work with me and for me. Where you go and you sometimes wonder where God is in the traversing and the sojourning of your life. Christ looks and he says, I am right here beside you. And at the times where you need me the most, I carry you. Where you would assess yourself on the basis of whatever this world has told you. You are small, so you can't do anything. You don't have a home, so therefore you can't do God's work. You're in this massive city and you just have a small corner. 
Therefore, who's going to hear you? Christ says, I have called you for this day and this purpose to be exactly where you are. You need to not just believe in me. You need to believe in the fact that I believe in you. You have it within you. If you are able to grasp on even for a moment to the microscopic thread of a hem that you might be able to grab onto. You have it within you to change the world. And I can say that because Jesus has already done it with 12. And where everyone else may say, we're not enough. Jesus looks at you and says, come Follow me. And so as you answer some of these questions, brothers and sisters, as individuals and as a church, know that just because of the fact you are brave enough to ask means that you are engaging with the work of a disciple, a gaggle of excited believers following behind a rabbi who looks at you and says, I believe you can do what I do. And may your cloaks be covered by the dust of your rabbi. Amen.
come for, with our prayers for others and for each other. Let's pray together. Living God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing, help us to capture something of your wonder, to glimpse something of your greatness, to see that our small horizons are not the last word. Enable us to see life from your perspective, with all its opportunities, potential, goodness and beauty. Give us courage to dream dreams, to have a vision of the future for ourselves, our church and for the world. Gracious God, we praise you that day by day you are at work in our lives, transforming them beyond our expectations. We praise you for the way that, despite ourselves, you have called us to faith, breaking through our doubts, our selfishness and our pride, helping us to follow Jesus, the way, the truth and the life. Help us to keep a firm hold of the conviction that you can continue to change us, that whoever we are, Whatever we do, whatever we face, nothing is outside the scope of your renewing power. Loving God, you have called us to go out into the world in your service, to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples, to share your love. Fill us, we pray, with fresh courage, zeal and purpose to work towards the fulfilment of your purposes. As we think of our world, we pray for BMS World Mission, as this week it focuses our thoughts on creation stewardship. Remembering that as its creator, you declared it to be very good. We pray for BMS partners as they encourage initiatives in Sri Lanka and Uganda and implement sustainable projects in Chad and Nepal. As we remember the recent COP26 event in Glasgow, we pray for world leaders meeting for COP27 in Egypt this year. Grant that bold and wise decisions will be made for the benefit of our fragile world. We pray for our network of Baptist churches around Scotland, thanking you for their variety and diversity, large and small, rural and urban, island and mainland. Help us all to be reflectors of your light and radiators of your love. Especially this week we pray for Johnson Baptist Church and Kelso Baptist Church as they seek to learn new ways to tell and live out their faith in Jesus. In our family in Hillhead this week we remember Clifford, Ed P., 
Christian, Katrina G, Jean and Walter, Paul and Rico, Ailey, Leo, Rachel F, Katrina H and Ben, and Rachel H. Grant that each one may experience your presence in their everyday circumstances. Gracious God, give to us all a proper sense of our own value, a true appreciation of the worth of others, and above all, an understanding of your greatness, besides which we are nothing, but yet through which you count us as your children. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. give time for people to receive their communion and bring it back to their chair. So we ask ourselves the question, if Christ did not believe in us, 
Why would he have done what he did? If Christ did not think that we were worth saving, why would he have done what he did? If Christ did not think that we could pursue him, walk with him, travel forward through him, why would he have done what he did? For on the night that Christ was betrayed, he took bread and broke it, saying, This is my body given for you. Please take and please eat. And in the same way, he took the cup. Did you know there were four cups that are served during a Jewish Passover meal? The first one is adoration. The second one is judgment. And that was when Judas left the table. But the third cup is called redemption. And he said, this cup signifies the new covenant written By my blood, do this as often as you eat and drink in remembrance of me. Our God and Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour and the Holy Spirit, who gives us life three in one and one in three. Lord, as we dine on this feast with you, We pray wholeheartedly and earnestly that you would continue the work of transformation in us so that you can continue to transform our world. Lord, we know we have heard and we have seen even here today of the great raft of activity and emotion that covers Not just the identity of who we are, but the way we are in this world. And Lord, there are times where we celebrate. And Lord, there are times where we mourn. And your feast is applicable to both, to all. Lord, may we know you. May we know you know us. May we know that as we believe in you, you believe in us infinitely more. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.
And so go, go who you have come, go you who have come to be with Jesus, go you who doubt, go you who know, go you who see, go you who are sometimes afraid, go you who are invigorated, go now. And follow your rabbi who believes you can do what he did. And may your cloak be covered by the dust of Jesus Christ. Amen.